listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to part three of our series, Full Tank. If you have anything to take notes with, now's the time. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here at New Chapel. And uh, today's a big day. We're going out for our beach baptisms. Anybody excited about that? Pretty cool. Uh, I'd love to be able to uh, talk with you, learn your name, hear a little bit of your story. Our beach baptisms are amazing. They're also our church picnic and New Chapel knows how to eat. I'm just telling you, it, it, it ain't going to be bad, everybody. And, uh, and so it's about 10, 15 minutes from where you're sitting, depending if you're an efficient driver like me or if you drive like Kai. Uh, but uh, it's at Cranberry Lake. We, we can't wait to be there with you. And I have a message today that I, I do believe is truly going to help people. It's going to help you deal with some of the stressors in your life, it's going to help you to deal with some of the things that bring you angst, that, that drain your tank. Before I get into all of that, I'm going to spend a little bit of our time putting on my pastor hat, and, and I, want to, I want to show you the spiritual journey that Jesus has us on. Uh, let me read it for you. It's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. The Bible says this, Then Jesus calling the crowd to join his disciples. So there's crowd, there's disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Uh, he's, he's showing different stages in a spiritual journey. So we all know that Jesus had the disciples following around all over the place. I have no idea why they were just crossing Galilee all the time. It's like, and then he got on a boat and crossed Galilee. It's like, build a bridge, you know, but they're going back. So he got the disciples. But he also had other groups of people, and they were in varying degrees of commitment. There's a crowd. There are disciples. Then there's like followers, and then there's these cross bearers that are active. And here's what I see when I read a passage like this. Jesus is very interested in you taking your next step. He wants you to find out what he's called you to do. And this is not just for like the noob at New Chapel this is for all of us. If you've been a follower of Christ your whole life, God still has something for you. He still has a next step. Amen, somebody? And so we need to be growing and learning and becoming that. It continues on in this passage. He says, Forever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. He's defining an exchange. That's what he wants to make with you. Verse 36. What good is it? For someone to gain the whole world, the Bible says, and yet forfeit their soul. What, what good is it if you've got the ideal job and, and you've got like your glitzy trophy spouse and you've got like, like anybody else notice how old ladies ruin bugs and old men ruin the Corvette like, like in sequence, you know? And say, what, what good is it if you have all the toys and you lose the weightier things in life? the eternal things, if you lose who you're really called to be. Are, are you trekking with me, everybody? The part of you that lives forever. And, and so I'm passionate, as you can understand, being a pastor about next steps. I love helping people develop. And I'm going to tell you, I, I need a little response today. I know we have a lot of visitors, and you guys are like, you guys were very rowdy during worship, and I wasn't expecting that. But, but I preach better, and I preach faster with a little bit of response from well, there we go. <laughs> Faster is what got you. Uh, write these thoughts down. 
Number one, uh, the, the first group around Jesus was a crowd. And, and these, these people, I, I'm articulating this kind of on, on the stead of Jesus, but it's kind of like come and see. Jesus is okay with a crowd of people that don't have it all figured out. In fact, sinners loved him. Church people hated Jesus. He loved to hang out with people that were just kicking the tires, like, what is this, trying to figure it out. And and if you're here and, and you're not a believer yet, I planted this church in order to have a church that wasn't filled with church people. <laughs> Some of you, that's the reason why you love New Chapel, why you stayed, is because church lady ain't a part of New Chapel. And, and, and so I want you to be here. If this piques your interest, if, you, if you're coming in a respectful, open heart, open mind, like be here, kick the tires. And if you have a friend that you're bringing along, or, or maybe they're outside currently, that's your language, come and see. It's not trying to prove something. It's not trying to lay out the plan of ages before them. It's come and see what Jesus is doing. I can show you the life change that's happening at my church. Well, what do he do for you? I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And I will tell you, I'm not where I'm going to be, but I'm not where I was. My life's so much better since I gave my life to Christ. And so the, the messaging is important. It's come and see. Well, Pastor Joe, I don't know if I believe everything here at New Chapel. Y'all look at me. I don't know if I believe everything here that happens at New Chapel. Now, the preaching is remarkable. It's amazing. But <laughs> here's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's not about you finding the church that hits all of your needs. It's about a church that speaks to you that God's calling you into. Amen, somebody. Now, New Chapel, be thinking about those people outside of these walls because August and September, two big months for people that are going back to school, families that are getting their kids back to school, People are getting back into the swing of things, and they're looking for that home church. They're they're thinking, man, my kid's already five, seven, eight. We got to get back to church. Hey, I think you ought to invite them. And most people would respond in the positive. So so there's a crowd. The second group of people around Jesus, I'm going to call them the congregation. And here's the invitation from Jesus for you. Maybe you're not just kicking the tires. Like, you're, you're showing up regularly. But I think you need to take another step and join us. Come and join in at what God is doing here. And, and, and I would say that with one preface. Before you join any church, join Jesus. Like, receive him. Let him change your life. Join the family of God before you, before you join a church. But, but listen, once you accept Christ, you're part of the family of God. But a Christian without a home church is an orphan. You have to have that place to belong, a place where other people know you, know your name, can call on you. And and it's not overbearing here. Trust me, if you want to just be anonymous, you can be anonymous at this church or any other. But if you want community, it's here. It's in the house. People that actually care, right? And so um, you'd say, well, Pastor, how do we join? How do we we partner with the church? So glad you all asked. Uh, We offer New Chapel Connect. That is our system. Now, I want to explain this because I haven't talked about it in a hot second. New Chapel Connect is, is our way for you to find out more about New Chapel, find out more about our vision, really kick the tires, find out about how we run this thing. You can join the church at New Chapel Connect for sure. And, and I want to make an invitation, honestly, from my heart. There, there is, there's probably six other churches in Grand Rapids that if New Chapel didn't exist, I would go there but I'm very partial to this one. So I want to make an invitation to you to be a part of our church family. I'd love it. At New Chapel Connect, that's where you can join. 
Now, we don't offer membership because I just found that church membership largely is for religious people to feel like they checked off a box. And so we offer church partnership. It's, it's a little bit different. But uh, go to New Chapel Connect and find out more. Join the church. What does it look like? So we actually offer New Chapel Connect every week, and we offer it during both services. So it's happening right now during the 11, but it also happened during the 9 o'clock. And the reason why we do that is so that you can still come to church. You can still come to church and hear the word and worship God, but you can also go to this class. You say, what about my kids? Okay, if your kids can watch Blue's Clues for five days in a row, they need to hear the gospel twice. And so they can be back at New Kids twice. You've got childcare. We give you a little breakfast, lunch, snacky thing going on. It's in the Bible. And anyway, <laughs> it's your opportunity to hear about it. And there's no pressure. We have people every single week that they come in, they hear about it, and some people are like, I'm going to go take and pray about it. And most of them honestly do come back and join up with what we're doing. But I'm here to tell you there's no pressure. No one's going to call and harp on you. But it's your opportunity to go from just being in the crowd to joining a congregation of people that actually care. A third circle uh, that, that was around Jesus, I call them the committed. The committed. I'm not talking about your mother-in-law who should be. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this, is, this is different. This is... This is a character. Tr- Come back in the room. Come back in there. I'm sorry. She's great. Great kibasa. Okay, the committed. Here's the operative verbiage here. Come and grow. Everybody say the word grow. grow. Come and grow. So it's, it's more than just I'm here, I'm present, I am warming the seat, just like you said, Pastor Joe. Now you're taking another step. I want to grow. I want to become. So Christianity is amazing. You can believe in a minute, in an instant. You can accept Christ. But then there's this process that Jesus wants to work out, and he starts it the moment you accept Christ, and it's called discipleship. He wants you to follow the disciplines of the Christian faith, become more like him. And and spoiler alert, you're going to be on that journey until you die. But he wants you to engage on that process. So Christianity is not the end of a journey. It's the start of one. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Joe? Uh, as modern and in vogue as our church is, pretty bougie-bougie for my taste, but I grew up in country church, and so we had a lot of woodworking in the back. We had a big wood pulpit. You know, we sang Rock of Ages like it was brand new. And in um, and, and that whole setting and environment, we had something called Sunday school. Anybody want to just shame the devil and admit, date yourself a little bit? You went to Sunday school. Lift your hand. You are a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> So Sunday school is awesome. Uh, it's not our system, but here's the big idea with the Sunday school. You go from a big meeting like this, and before all of that, you'd break into smaller groups where you could ask questions, where you could talk about what was going on. We just don't do it on Sunday. We don't call it Sunday school. It's, it's groups, our small groups. And, and I want to let you know it's a big deal. Now, we've learned to not do small groups in the summer simply because you're not going to come. Uh, so we, we do different community and social events to keep the community brewing But our small group semesters line up with school semesters. And so ours are going to start just after school in September. Uh, They pick up again just after all the winter breaks are all done. And it's a huge deal around here. And and I want to say this. Uh, Some of you have gone to groups for a while, maybe two semesters or more, and and you're thinking, I think I could lead one of these. I think you could too. I, I need to talk with you. And so on August 6th and on August 13th, after the 11 o'clock service, that's this service, 
If you want to be a small group leader, you want to be a person who is the leader of a singular group, I need you to hang around after service, and we want to talk to you about what that's going to look like in this following semester. And if you notice, we're talking about this pretty early, uh, way earlier than we ever have. We've got to get out in front of this. Our last semester that we had this, our spring semester, was the largest we've ever had in New Chapel history, 10 years of history, both in depth and in size. It grew in numbers. I think, Barclay, your group grew by like a dozen or so by the end of the whole semester. And so, listen, you need to be a part of them. And then also, if you're called to be a leader, we're very interested in talking to you. Okay, so there's crowd disciples. There's these real followers, right? They're the committed. And then there's those people that are cross-bearers. They really want to follow Jesus. And, and the word there is the core. Number four, the core. And here's the verbiage, come and serve. You're on the inside of all of this. Do not just sit in the stands. Get on the field. I'm telling you, there's something exhilarating. I love going to a game, and I don't really understand baseball at all. I understand hot dogs. But as I've heard it, it's something different if you're playing the game, if you're on the field, if you're, if you're doing it. And so here's my formal invitation. If you've been a part of our church and you've taken steps of faith, this might resonate with you. Join the GO team. Join the people that are serving your kids, pouring coffee, helping you find your seat, leading worship. Join that group of people because the stands are great, but, but, but being on the field is exhilarating. It's life-giving. And you need to do something in your life that is serving someone else. And so there's different, there's different circles around Jesus, and there's a core. But all through these different concentric circles of relationship, Jesus has an invitation for all of us. And here's what it is. It's for us to follow him in water baptism. I want to talk about that for a second. I want to make a personal appeal, a personal invitation to those of you that are Christians in the room, but you've never been water baptized. You, you've accepted Christ at some point in your life, but you've never followed him in that way. Today is a great day to do it. After church, we're going to those beach baptisms, and we've got 20-some people signed up. But always at New Chapel, we have people that are watching the baptisms happen, and they go, well, I want to do Always it happens, and you are welcome to do it. Now, let me read this out of Acts, Acts 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message, Jesus' message, were baptized, the ones that accepted it. So this is post-decision. They're born again, right? 3,000 were added to the number that day. So, so this is a post-decision thing. When you accept Jesus as your Lord, you've got to be old enough and conscious enough to be able to do that, to be able to weigh that. You have to understand everything, but weigh out Jesus is the Lord of my life. When you make that decision, that's when you get baptized. So we don't, we don't baptize infants at New Chapel because it's not in the Bible. There's 27 recorded instances of a baptism in the New Testament. All of them are post-decision. It's really important. Now, we do child dedications. I love that. I love child dedications because I get to be up here and be a ham and mess around with kids and stuff like that. But if you want more information on child dedication, talk to new kids. They can, they can hook you up. But we baptize believers at New Chapel. We baptize people that want to show everybody what God has done in their heart. And I'm going to date myself a little bit. How many of y'all remember that, that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Anybody else remember that? Remember that part where they're like, it's baptizo. That's my best... Greek impression. <laughs> My dad would call them Eastern Italians, but um, <laughs> baptizo literally means to immerse. The Greek Orthodox Church has it right. It means to immerse, and here's what you're doing. You're showing everybody what happened to you already on the inside. In fact, if you're at the beach baptism day, you'll hear me say it. I'll be like, you're, you're buried with Christ and raised to new life. 
you're showing that that old man, that old person is dead on the inside and that a new person resurrected in their place. That's what you're trying to show. Now, I told you, I, I really respond well to response. I want you to get really excited about this. Okay, here, here we go. 35 people have accepted Christ at New Chapel in the last six weeks. Okay. Okay. That was good. 112 people accepted Christ this year at New Chapel. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> now, you say, what are you expecting for Beach Baptists? 20-some people are signed up. I'm expecting 112 people to show up for baptism. Listen, listen, Jesus has big things for you. He's calling you to do great things. The first thing is to get wet. Come on, you can do that. And, and you say, well, Pastor Joe, listen, I'm so happy to be at your church here today. And I would get baptized. I really need to. I've been putting it off for a long time, but I'm not prepared. And so I'll just have to spectate. I'll have to watch. Ha-ha! I saw you coming before you got out of bed this morning. I've got T-shirts. I've got shorts. I have undies of all sizes. I've got makeup. I've got, I've got a blow dryer. Like, what are you talking about? We've got everything you need to get baptized. You're like, well, am I going to look as good as I do right now? You're going to look better because you'll be done baptized. <laughs> and so if you came in being like, oh, I don't know, just not the right time, different season. No, today's the day. You need to do it. In fact, the Bible commands me as a preacher to do this. Not a lot of pastors will do it. I'm going to do it. Ready? I command you to get water back. That's what the Bible says, I got to tell you. So you need to be baptized. What forbids you from being baptized today? Okay, now with all of that, you get some rewards. You get to make a decision, and, and, and we even have towels. So we've got clothes, but we have towels. I'm going to take this apart. The people that roll all those up are going to be so upset with me. But here you go. Look at this. Look at that. Now here's what's cool. You get to keep this towel when you're done. And I'm telling you, I've been to Nordstrom's Rack. This is a $300 towel. Now, we didn't pay that, but it is given to you by the generous tithers at New Chapel. But, you know, we, we, this is a little bit of old school pastor. I have decided we get that from that old hymn. You know, they used to play at Billy Graham Crusade. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And, and so today is a great opportunity, no excuses, to get baptized. Get you a towel. Come on. Let's support everybody who might be on the edge. Uh, you say, well, what is baptism really saying, Pastor Joe? Three things. Baptism says, I've decided to follow the example set by Christ. So Jesus wasn't a sinner. He didn't need to be saved. Why did he get baptized? Baptism is, is something that makes you righteous. Baptism is something that righteous people do. So you're showing what God has done in your life. Uh, second thing, baptism says, I've decided to demonstrate my changed life. I am buried with Christ and raised to new life. I'm turning my back on that junk. You know, the old school guys, they'd get baptized in rivers, and they would actually wear, like, some dirty old clothes, and they'd get into the water, and they'd go down, and they'd take off the, the dirty clothes, and underneath it was a white robe, and they'd come out of the water clean. They'd let that dirty stuff just go right down the river. Now, I don't know who lived down there, but... It's you showing God did something in my life. Third thing baptism says, I've decided to declare my commitment, here it is, publicly. Publicly. Now, i got to deal with this. It's a big deal. People come to me and they say, well, Pastor Joe, my faith is a private thing. I, I love the Lord, but it's private. Let me just tell you something. If you have a private faith, 
you're not describing Christianity. You read it cover to cover. It's not in there. There's no private faith. It's just my personal. No, listen, it's a public thing. It's something that you show to other people. God is not looking for your agreement. He's looking for your obedience. Well, I agree. Jesus is Lord. So do the demons. What you need to do is obey him and follow him no matter what. Take up that cross. Be like, whatever you tell me to do. You want me to get wet? I'll get wet. <laughs> you know, you got to follow whatever he calls you to do. And, and, and then there's this whole thought. People come to me and they say, well, Pastor Joe, I want to get baptized, but uh, can we do a completely private service with no one else but you? I'm a little embarrassed. And like when I get into the water, I got to wear a shirt when I'm swimming. You know what I'm saying? And no, I'm not getting you a private bap. This isn't boutique church. Like I'm not going to charge you a handling fee to baptize you. Let me show you how big of a deal this is for Jesus. Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge me. He says it again, before others. I'm trying to tell you, this is a loyalty thing for Jesus. Like it's a big deal. What are you saying, Pastor Joe? I'm saying all that to say there's baptisms that are going to be after church today. And if you've never been baptized, I'd be happy to meet you down there in the water. Amen? Okay. We're going to jump into the message, and there's a really good segue because it's this. We, we want you to take these next steps, always just saying yes to God on your next step, because God does have great things for you. He wants you to live a full life. John's Gospel, chapter 10, we've been reading it this whole series. Jesus says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come that you might have life. He says, I've come that you might have it to the full. Jesus has a full life for you. He wants to meet your needs. He wants you to be on an adventure with him, following him by his spirit. He wants you to be able to to hear those next steps. He has all of that for you, and he wants you to have a full tank in the midst of a world that can really be draining. Uh, American Psychological Association, real thing, uh, rated the top stressors, and of those top stressors, work-related stress was a big deal. And, and in that grouping is, is the people that are staying at home with their kids, moms, single moms. Uh, it's also the people working the job. It's the students going to school. And, and I, would, I would say this. It's not part of their research. But I think that there's something in the air once we start talking about August in Michigan. There is a seasonal depression that comes on people, just to bring it out in the open. Because you start thinking about, oh, the nine months of clouds. Right? And so here's what happened. You start dreading going back to work. You feel like you're wasting your time there. And, and you felt like you were getting a lot done at Grand Haven at the beach, you know. And, and there's, this, there's this stress and this, this uh, lackluster feeling that comes into us. And it puts something on us. And, and if you feel that way, whether it's work or whether it's just like, ah, oh, fall, let me just tell you, you're in good company. Because even some of the best characters in the Bible faced emotional things like this. Solomon, the most wise man in the world before Christ, uh, he said this in Ecclesiastes 2. He says, so I hated life. Well, why'd you hate life, Solomon? Work. (laughs) Work's awful. (laughs) It's grievous to me. He says it's meaningless. I think that resonates with some people in the room. It's chasing after the wind. What's that? Not getting anything done. Chasing my tail, Pastor Joe. I feel like I'm wasting time, wasting my life at work. And I, I just, 
I can't stand anymore. I got to do something. And that stress, it, could, it, it bogs us down. And it's a world that empties us out. God wants us to have a full tank, but we feel drained. And, and here's the problem with all of it. You don't have an option. You got to go to work. Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So there's this tension because some of us are dealing with a work or with a family situation, and it's draining. We can't just walk away from that. And at the same time, you can't live that way. That's not life, right? So, so, so how do we find the, the, the truth in the middle of this tension? A couple stats about this work-related, especially uh, stress. First thing, 80% of workers feel stress on the job. Eight out of 10 people. They feel stressed at what they're doing. 25% of people felt like screaming or shouting because of job stress. I can't confirm or deny that I've ever done that in my life. 10% are concerned about an individual at work they fear that could become violent. Check this out. 14% say, I'm that person. I think I'm going to become violent. (laughs) Funny, not funny, right? Like both. I'm, I'm going to punch somebody past you, hold me back. <laughs> That's a lot. 18% experienced some sort of threat of verbal intimidation in the past year. Guys, that's real. These are real things, milestones that we have to face and deal with, and we're feeling it. That's a lot. And so the solution that I'm going to give you today, like a lot of Bible truths, it's very simply said. Doing it, (laughs) it can be tricky. I'm not saying it's hard per se, but it can be tricky to try to catch yourself in all of this. Because I believe this, you can face turmoil, you can face stress and traffic and pressure and, and draining things in this world and still throughout all of that have peace that only God can give. You can do that. And I know, I know what you really want in this message. Here's what you want. You want Pastor Joe to come up here and give you some Bible verse about how to get rid of your boss. (laughs) Pastor Joe, where's the easy button to make him disappear? And I just want to like make this as clear as I possibly can. That's not a Bible verse. That's Pastor Joe's uncles that live in Chicago. They hit buttons. I just, you got it or you didn't, but it's not in the Bible. And people have this thought that they have to go away for me to be happy. And, and Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So, so in the midst of it, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the turmoil, you can have his peace. There's peace in the middle of it, and it's not the elimination of every problem. But at the same time, through that pain, through that tension of life, you can still have peace and joy. Today, I'm going to share with you the solution. It's found in, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. The Bible says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, uh, so you're a Christian, since you're a Christian, set your hearts on things above. Everyone say the word set. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Everyone say the word set. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What, what, is, what is being communicated? You have to actively, purposefully set your heart and your mind on eternal things. If you set your focus on, on the issues of the day, so if you wake up upset, if you wake up stressed about the day, upset about that person, you're just going to get more upset and more stressed about that person. I promise. 
But on the flip side, if you set your heart on eternal things, if you set your focus, your perspective, if you approach it with a fresh godly perspective on all of this, a resolve in your heart, that's where you can have peace in the midst of it. Now, you have to do this daily. I know. It doesn't just keep. It's not like when you got saved, okay? Like, you, every single day, have to re-up this commitment to let God, I'm going to have a fresh perspective. I'm going to think about this in a God. I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to set my mind on what you have. It's a, it's a daily heart condition. It continues in verse 12. The Bible says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly beloved, what does it say? Clothe yourselves. I love that. Clothe yourselves with compassion. I don't wake up compassionate. Not comp- <laughs> I'm not compassionate when I wake up. Kindness, hello. <laughs> Humility, gentleness, patience. Some of you need patience so bad, you're going to done punch somebody and make them an ER patient if you don't get the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And the Bible says, clothe yourselves. So it's like, wake up every day. Put this on. God, I'm going to have the right perspective about this. I'm gonna th- it's, so you know what it's like to get dressed physically every day. Get ready. Phys- Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do that spiritually. And emotionally, every day, God, I'm going ha- to set my heart on things above. I'm going to set my mind, my heart, on what you have for me. Well, Pastor Joe, if this really worked, it should keep. It should just last forever. Really? Is that the same thing uh, when we think about showering? I believe so strongly in showering. I do it every day. What about eating? Lord knows I don't miss meals, everybody. <laughs> okay. So ever, I believe, I'm a believer. I'm going to keep on doing it in the same way. Just because something is good doesn't mean it doesn't require maintenance. And this is something that has to be maintained in your life. It's a tension that until you go to see Jesus, you're going to have to set your heart and set your mind. If you want a full tank, you can handle stress and conflict by getting dressed in the morning. Yes, physically, but I'm also talking about emotionally and spiritually. Get dressed. Dress yourself. Set yourself in that way. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other. Why does it say that? Because people are a bear to deal with. (laughs) Forgive one another. If any has grievance, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do you do that perspective? How do we live in peace when everything is coming against us? My heart and my mind are set on Jesus. They're set on what he has. And in verse 14, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, the Bible says that when you accepted Christ, that the love of God was shed abroad in your heart. But you know what I've learned as a follower of Christ? It wasn't shed abroad in your head. So like, I'll have love for people and just really avoid them because they annoy me. I know I'm the only one that's doing that in the room, but, but so you can love them in Jesus' name, but like, get away from me, you know? And, and so sometimes you can have awful thoughts about people that honestly, if you were true with yourself, you'd be like, I love them. I just hate them so bad, you know? Just, so what do you do? You set your heart, you set your mind. You're like, okay, God, I'm moving that love you gave me. You shed it abroad in my heart. God, get that elevator going. I'm, I'm moving it to my head. Because I'm going to love these people. I'm going to have compassionate. Uh, I'm going to be a compassionate person. I'm going to have kindness for people. I'm going to be gentle in the way that I'm dealing with it. You have to set it. How? Three thoughts, and then I want to pray for all of us. I want to encourage you to do this starting tomorrow. And these are disciplines that if you say this in your life, this is where the wind's going to be. Number one, write this down. 
you need to discover your real purpose and you need to make a difference with your life. And I would even add on to that at least once a week. You need to make a difference in this world at least once a week. The happiest people that I know, they, they don't have like, like different spouses than you. Their financial life isn't completely different than you. It's, it's, it's similar marriage situations, similar financial situations. Some, some maybe, you know, maybe they got a little bit younger wife and you're like, oh gosh, you know. Maybe they got an older husband with a lot of money and you're like, shucks, I wish I would have married, you know. They're not happy or sad based on that. They're not happy or sad based on their money or even what's hitting them. Some of them have grievous health uh, uh, things that, uh, 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 diagnosis that we're giving them. They're happy because they have something bigger than all of that in their life, and it's the Bible word calling. You're like, okay, well, Pastor Joe, that's just for preachers. En contraire, that's for every follower of Christ in the room. You are called of God. And so the happiest people that I know, it's not that they don't have problem, it's that they have something bigger than their problem, and that calling is something that moves them through their life. Right. Well, God's just trying to get work out of me. Okay? No. Uh, work out of you will be a byproduct of you being on mission and having a driving purpose in your life. But he's trying to get you to a spot where you're not tore back when you get bad reports. He's, he's trying to get you to a spot where little things don't stress you out and you don't flip out on your family. He's trying to get you to a spot where resolve. Well, how do you do that? It's when you're in the center of God's will, center of his calling on your life. You are called and you need to make a difference at least once a week. It does something on the inside of you. I Take it or leave it. I'm preaching way better than y'all are than not. <laughs> Secular psychologists and sociologists agree that the happiest people in the world are those that are doing something that makes a difference. It's bigger than them. Write it down. Career gives you something to live on, but calling gives you something to live for. And some of you don't have anything to live for. I feel for you. Like in the room, you just, I don't have anything. You need something bigger than you. So I get it. We, we talk at altars, or I hear what you're saying. You're like, Pastor Joe, I got to go to work, and I hate my job, and I hate my boss. I'm doing something I'm not good at, or I'm too qualified for, or it's not what I want to do the rest of my life, and I'm just doing it nine to five or whenever to pay the bills. And you're like, puke. <laughs> I agree. But what if you served on the go team today, and you had sat one and then worshiped one? What if you were able to go back and serve kids or help people find their seat or you're up here worshiping, playing an instrument, something like that? You'd be able to hit the hay tonight. Your head hits the pillow and say, you know, it is what it is with work. But I did make a real difference. I'm doing something with my life. And, and you're going to hear big wins when you're on the go team. You're going to hear those stats about salvations and baptisms. And you're going to hear about life change. You're going to see it with your eyes. And I promise you, I promise you, it will lend meaning to your life. You'll be like, well, I guess it isn't so bad after all. Now, I will concede, it is certainly better when your calling and your vocation can line up. And mine does. Like I am in the center of God's will. I get to come and preach in front of you. I get to do businessy stuff behind the scenes. I get to do leadership things and invest in people. I love it. It's my calling and my vocation. Not everybody can do that. And I want to acknowledge that for you in the room and say that that's okay. As long as you're working and, 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 and you're paying bills and you're able to glean some money to be able to eat from it, you can have other things 
that can be deeply meaningful beyond your nine to five. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the books in your New Testament, was like this. He was exactly like that. Paul had a different secular nine to five. Let me show you in Acts 20. He says this, and I love how, just how honest he is. Ain't going to be a picnic. What's God called you to do, Paul? You're going to do great things? Well, ain't going to be easy. Ain't going to be a picnic. For the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly there's going to be hard times. He even says there's going to be imprisonment ahead. And here's the big transition. But that matters little. Now, that piques my interest. It makes me think like, okay, you got hard things. If we were to take a survey of what's stressing you out, you'd be checking all the boxes, right? Paul says, I got the boxes checked. I'm facing, it ain't going to be a picnic. But he says, I've got something else at play. It matters little. It says this in verse 23. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. Here it is, the job the master Jesus gave me. Letting everyone know that I'm neat about the incredibly extravagant generosity of God. In other words, wherever I'm at, Here's what it lends purpose to. I'm going to be preaching about Jesus. He made me a certain way with gifts and talents. I'm going to leverage those to talk about Jesus. He says, it doesn't matter what I face. So he can't change the circumstances. He's even like, God told me I'm going to jail. But I can have a different perspective and set my heart on something greater, and it matters little. Do you see the resolve of a person who's set like that? What do you do to a person like that? You can't mess with them because they have a resolve. Okay, you're, you're still chewing. I want you to know that when we invite you to join the GO team, yes, it would be a lot easier with your help, but that is not the main reason why we do it. I have learned you can be hard pressed on every side, yet not in despair. That some of you that are going through stressful seasons, seasons of pressure in your life, you think, I don't need another thing, but you do. Because if you are serving someone who can't pay you back, there's something spiritual that happens, and I'm telling you, your perspective changes. There's a peace and a joy that comes with that. There's an eternal perspective. And the more you sink into God's will, the more he begins to untangle some of the spaghetti of the issues of our life. He'll do it, everybody, and he wants to do it. I have my eyes, my eyes fixed on the eternal, and that's exactly what we need. We need something like that in our life. Number two, we need to realize that my vocation, my job is my ministry location. I met people along the way, like, Pastor, I'm called into ministry, and so I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit this. I'm just going to sit around and write sermons all day, and I'm going to braid other people's hair. No, you're a hippie. You need to be like Paul and get some elbow grease going and realize wherever God puts you, that's, that's ministry right now. He'll, he'll lead you in steps for sure. If he's shown you something, he'll take you there because he's God. But you start where you're at and realize the amazing opportunity. Come on, Mom. Come on, come on people at, at the workplace. Come on, students at school. The, the amazing opportunity in front of you to minister God. Because if you just look at it as a 9 to 5 to get done with you're going to miss it. And Paul didn't. He had a secular job. Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave. So Paul is meeting these two people. They're a married couple. It continues on. Paul went to see them because he was a tent maker as they were and he stayed and worked with them. They're Jews and he's working with them. Well, I just don't like my workplace because there are a bunch of unbelievers there. 
you're missing the calling of God. And you think you can skip steps, and God doesn't skip steps. You want ministry? Your first pulpit's a janitor's card. I, I, just, I don't know how else to put it. And, and translate that to business, finance, to, 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 to being a person who's in a service industry. It's all the same. You can't skip steps. He's a tent maker, and he's working with Jews. A tent maker. I think that Paul was kind of embarrassed about this, or at least he wasn't proud about it. Paul was called to be a gospel writer and write the New Testament. He was an evangelist. He's a preacher, a guy who's called to plant churches. And he's making tents, and he's doing it with two Jewish people. Here's what we know. Those people got saved. He was ministering to them during his nine to five. He didn't wait to minister to them. He, he was right there. Now, now there might have been appropriate times and seasons to do that, but he did it. And then on the weekends, this is what he did in Acts 18. Every Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and the Gentiles, the Greeks. He goes in on the weekends to church, and he's trying to convince people there because wherever he goes, that's the person he's called to be. And so he's going to go and be himself, be called, and work out his ministry, work out what God called him to do, do something that makes a difference no matter where he's at. My dad had a very profound statement. Wherever you go, there you are. And that's deeply spiritual today only. But you need to do that. So what if you were a person that was like Paul and saw every opportunity like that is, is this ministry opportunity? Now, he later went on, and he was able to be in the Traveling Salvation Show. Thank you, Neil Diamond. But for years, he's making tents. What if you, tomorrow, woke up, clothed yourself, got psyched up about what God was doing at work, and you went to Krispy Kreme and got a dozen donuts? Anybody else feel the Holy Ghost when I said that? It's Crispus Kremus in the Greek. <laughs> Don't look that up. It's not in Strong's. <laughs> Crispus was the first person who's recorded to be baptized in the Bible. Glazed. Anyway, you're welcome. I got a bag more of them, everybody. But what if you went to Krispy Kreme and you bought them or you went to Sandy's even better? You know what I'm talking about? You, you get some donuts and you show up at work. You're like, hey, everybody. You're not like all oh, those sinners over there. They just bring down the atmosphere. No, you go in and you take responsibility for the atmosphere. I got donuts. That's everybody's love language. The keto people will just mean mug you, just stare at you, but they'll want it. <laughs> and you'll just be eating those donuts. You'll be talking with people. Learn the people's names. Find you the why. She's just so evil. Well, find out her name. Talk to her. Make friends with her, with the evil lady. Like, you know she ain't saved. And, and then here's what you do. Be like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you? Maybe you're on break and you could do it. Maybe you could be like, hey, I'm going to go over to my workstation. I, I want to take time from our employer. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to pray. I just want you to know someone has your back. What if you did it and stopped waiting for the great by and by when you're going to start to Christian well? You can just do it. We make it harder than it is. Write it down. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's not so profound. We talk about that a lot. That's serve day. That's go team. That's who we are as followers of Christ. And how much different would it be if you just threw ministry in? Oh, this nine to five I hit. Throw some ministry in. You go and bring Jesus into that place. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Got, got to wrap this up. Number three. How do I do it, Pastor? Number three. Work for God and not for people. 
You work for God. That's a perspective that we have to have. All of us, even me. I am not going to stand before you on my judgment day. I'm going to stand before my God. And I've had to make hard, weighty decisions at this church. And, and I love it because it brought so many of you into our doors. I love it. But, but conversely, a lot of people left because of it. But I have to answer to God Almighty, not to man. So do you. Colossians 3, this is where it was all headed. Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You work as unto the Lord. I have to stand before God for July 30th. And so do you. And I prayed this morning, oh God, I don't know if July 31st is even going to happen, but on July 30th, I'm going to do everything I can do to move people from that crowd to be disciples and followers of you. Are, are you with me, everybody? <laughs> Being on the edge of July and August, I think, is very apropos because it makes us think about how fast life is. How short it really is, isn't it? And at the same time, lean into this. Stop thinking about yesterday. It happened. It was what it was. It, it's God forgave you. Be free. Don't live in tomorrow. Some of you are so emotionally, you put an emotional down payment on something you don't even know. And you're, you gotta, gotta think about it a little bit, but you can't live there. Listen to me. Come back right here. Right now. Today is your day. You need to keep your focus here, and God is here. And here's what you're thinking. I needed this. <laughs> you're thanking God you didn't sleep in because you wanted to. If it helps, I wanted to too. <laughs> I'm so glad I came because tomorrow people are going to wake up. And, and they're going to get their mind right. They're going to get clothed. They're, they're going to get our hearts set on eternal things. And it's not about all these little petty problems that are happening. God, you have a plan that goes through all of this junk. And, and God, you have a plan to give me purpose and, and to let me make a difference in this world. And then, God, you're going to give me opportunities to minister at work or at school. God, I'm working for you. And because you set your heart before God in that way, because you have that perspective. No matter what you face, write it down, Colossians 3.24, it is the Lord that you are serving. You serve an audience of one. You don't have to worry about what other people say about you. You are not who other people say that you are. You are called by God. You are purposed by him. Write it down, today I will live as though this is the day I will be remembered. I'm not going to wait to live my life in the future when the circumstance changes. I'm going to live for God now. I'm going to live out of the overflow of what he's done in my life. He did not bring me this far just to dump me. And my friends, I'm here to tell you with that perspective, if you live in that way, you will have a full tank in a world that tries to drain you. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads in the presence of God? Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. Weighty things are, are on people's hearts. God, I pray that they'd cast their care on you and that they'd just be obedient with the next step. For some of them, it is baptism. For some of them, to join the church. For some of them, God, they, they know they need to serve, but 
Some of them, God, just need to be free. They're so locked up in in the, the monotony of life. It's hard to break out of that and take any ground. God, I pray that they would know that freedom is in the air. They just gotta grab it. Father, I pray for freedom in this church that people would be willing to lean into all that you have. God, I pray that you would help with stress, with pressures, but God, I pray that you'd help the same way you help all of us as they turn to you and set their hearts and minds on you. God, I pray for a supernatural breakthrough. Some people do need circumstances to change, and they're being a trooper through the midst of it all. God, I thank you that you open up doors no man can shut, and you shut doors no man can open. I thank you for the acceptable year of favor of the Lord to be on this church. But God, through it all, and no matter what, we will dig in and set our heart on the one who saved us. God, I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice who doesn't know you, that you'd help me to find them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, bow your head, close your eyes just for one more minute. If you're in the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to get your life right with God. The only way to have a relationship with God is through his only son, Jesus. And the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you do that, you get eternity in heaven. You avoid a Christless hell. This is true. But more than that, when you accept Christ, you get to engage on having life to the full, living this life with a full tank. Jesus did not go to a cross to make his people lament and suffer outside of purpose until they die. Eternal life isn't when you die. It starts today. It starts the moment you accept Christ. And so if you want to make that decision, it's calling him Lord. Lord is boss. It's, it's you saying that you're done being the God over your own life and you're putting the God that made you in control. And if that's you, all things can be new today. I'm not saying everything will be perfect, but you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Church, I want to pray this out loud and I want to pray it with those people who are praying it for the first time or those that are coming back home. Pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life forgive my sin put your spirit in me I receive all that you have for me thank you for saving me thank you for making all things new in Jesus name amen and amen let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ can I pray for you real quick the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine on you be gracious unto you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and as you go I'll see you guys there. Let's have a blast. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.